This is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense science-based health care. Here's your host, Dr. T.J. Williams. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. TJ. With me, as always, is Aaron. Hello. And, <laughs> perfect. So if, you're, if you haven't listened to this show before, um, Wellness 101 is a show that's designed to bring out some common sense in healthcare, um, an area where common sense is really not very common anymore, uh, in my opinion. And so we're trying to just spread the word, spread the message that, you know, you can take control of your health. There are things that you can do. And, you know, we're just trying to get that information out there is all we're trying to do and and help you. And so today on the show, we are going to talk about gallbladder issues. This is something that we see over and over and over again at our clinic are people who have some sort of gallbladder complaint, they had their gallbladder removed. Or I was going to say, most often it's people who have had their gallbladder removed. And so our, you know, a lot of times with these shows, we come on and we say, you know, we get a lot of questions about this. We don't get as many about questions about gallbladder issues. It's more people who have had them out and had no idea that there was anything else that they could do besides have it removed. So. We're like, we need to do a show on this so people have the correct information because all too often it's, you know, I mean, we talk about that a lot with conventional medicine where they're told, well, surgery is your only option. Right. That's well, it. That's your option. It's going to fix everything and you don't have to do anything extra. They're just like, well, here you go. Your gallbladder's out. You're going to have no more gallbladder right. problems. Didn't need that organ. Right. Right. It's just. Yeah, all it's, on one of those, you know, organs without a purpose in our body. Yes. There's so many of them. Gallbladders and appendices and. Yep, take it out. Yep, remove it. His kidney. Uh, uh, kidney. I mean, you yeah, can lose kidneys. It. You can yeah. lose a kidney. You not can lose a, a lung. Deal. Not a not an issue. Not a big deal. Ovaries, they can go. Yep. Uteruses. Yeah, uterus. Yep. Uteruses. U- uteri. Is it uteri? <laughs> Uteruses. I don't know. Hippopotamuses. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But so back to gallbladder. I mean, really and truly, this is something that is it. Every time. Someone comes in and they tell us that they've had their gallbladder removed. The first question that I ask them is, what did your doctors tell you that you needed to do for the rest of your life that you have to do, you have to, in order for your body to be able to break down and digest foods properly? And they look at me like I have three heads or you know three eyes. They just look at me all funny and they're like, well, my doctor didn't say anything. I'm like, yeah, exactly. And that's the problem because you just took out the one thing that stores the product, bile, from your body that allows your body to break down and digest fats. So now you can't break down and digest fats because you're not, you're not making this stuff well. You're right, not which storing is, it. What's so crazy is, I mean, you know, they're told take the gallbladder out, you won't you will no longer have, you know, any issues when generally the issues that brought them in will be worse, plus they'll have a whole host of additional issues that right. they now have to deal with. Right, exactly. And the gallbladder the gallbladder is really just a it's just this sack that sits behind the liver and all its job is to collect bile, store bile, and then release the bile when you consume a fatty meal. And so the the thing is 
if you have gallbladder problems, that's not where the problem originated. The problem originated in your liver because your liver is what actually manufactures the bile. So if you have an issue with the bile, if the bile is too thick, if it's too too you know poorly made, that the issue is in the liver. By removing the gallbladder, it does nothing. That's like saying that my my engine in my car is bad, so I'm going to take out the gas tank. It makes no sense. Right. I just, I just, I completely. But it's what happens, and it happens exactly. so frequently. There are so yeah. many people who have their gallbladder. Oh, the removed. statistics are, are mind-boggling. Here, let me find it just a second. I got we. I've I looked it up. Um, it's in here. Give me two seconds. Sorry for we're we're going a little bit out of order. There are seven hundred and fifty thousand surgeries to remove gallstones in North America alone every single year. That's mind-boggling because there's only 787,000 people that have heart attacks each year. It's the same number of people that die from cardio that that go down from a heart attack that have surgery for gallstones. And gallstones are the biggest problem with uh, a gallbladder issues. If someone's having a gallbladder complaint, it's almost all the time they're they're having they're having gallstones. In fact, 10 to 20 percent of the total adult population is has at least mild to moderate gallstones. It's right. it's mind boggling. It depends on what your age, because it's up to forty percent in some age groups. Right? Yeah, you get over sixty. If you're over sixty and a female, the you have a forty percent chance of, or forty percent of the population rather has gallstones. Right. That's just terrible. And I mean, the the thing is, gallstones. What they are, and I don't think a lot of people realize this. Gallstones are not these really hard rock-like things. What they are is they're actually these soft, squishy things. That, they're made up of cholesterol, which is kind of fatty. And so they're these they're just these just kind of globs of of cholesterol. Is all they really are and they're storing in your in your in your in your gallbladder. Now, people ask you know, oftentimes, well, how come I have so many gallstones? Because they know, you know, sometimes people come in and they know they have gallstones or they, they've had a history of it and they've done ultrasounds and they're like, well, we don't really, there's, for whatever reason, their doctor didn't want to do surgery, which is amazing. But also, I'm just like, okay, well, you have a chance here to keep, to save your gallbladder. So imagine if you would, this is how gallstones continue to form. Imagine if you would, you have a, a small pouch. And in that pouch, you throw a marble, and then you fill that you fill that pouch with water, with a marble in it. And your job is to try and squeeze all of the water out of that. With that marble in that pouch, you're not going to be able to squeeze all of the water out. And then, so eventually, all of that water, this is the bile that's sitting in there. This bile stays in the, in the gallbladder and becomes very sludge-like and collects, and it forms a second stone. So now you throw a second marble into that sack, and you fill that back up with water and try to squeeze it out. You're going to have more water in the sack when you're finished, and you can just keep adding gallstones. If you fill that sack completely full of, of, of marbles and then f- refill it with water to f- to take up the remaining space and then try to squeeze it out. Are you going to get any water out? No, you're not. And or that's very little. or very little. And that's the problem with gallstones. They just continue to form. The, and the issue isn't the gallbladder, it's the inability of the body to form the bile correctly and thin enough because we make this thick sludgy bile Why? that because we don't have the nutrients, we're eating an over overly uh, too high a fat a right. diet with just <laughs> 
crappy well, nutritional bad, value. Bad fats. Bad fats. Yeah, yeah, the good fats are not the problem here. Right. And the other thing that we do is we load the body with lots of sugar when we consume those fats. So we're eating foods like potato chips, which are very fatty, but they're also um, there's also a relatively high sugar content to it because white potatoes are loaded with sugar. Right. So that's what's going on here. And so we you end up then with this completely full gallbladder that's extremely angry. And then the thing becomes inflamed. And so now you have an inflamed gallbladder. Now you start having gallbladder, quote unquote, attacks. And these things are just they don't really go away until you either a remove the gallbladder which doesn't fix anything, or B, you do all the things necessary to help the body slowly but surely dissolve those gallstones. And, I mean, this is not a fast process. This is a long, arduous, slow thing. I mean, it took a long time for them to build up. It's going to take a long time for them to go away. I'm glad you brought that up. You can. Good, because um, that was really off the cuff, and I thought, he may not be expecting that question. I wasn't. Uh, You can. (laughs) Uh, In all honesty, Oftentimes, at our clinic, we don't recommend cleanses. Why? Because what what most cleanses do is they are a huge fat load that you're consuming. A lot of times, you're drinking, you know, some liquid for two or three days before, you know, or you eat, you're on a apple juice diet or something to soften the soften the stones, which works. There's malic acid in there, and that's one of the things that softens these stones. But then you're not really consuming any fat for for several days, and then they drink a cup of olive oil or some other oil, and then lay on your side, and you're expecting that gallbladder to just forcefully contract, which it will, and expel a bunch of gallstones, which it may. The problem is those gallstones could be bigger than the tube that goes the bile duct, which is the tube that connects the gallbladder to the small intestine where we put the bile into the into the digestive system, and you could have this big stone get in there and then get lodged, and now you have an emergency, and that is an emergency surgical intervention. You do not pass go. You go directly to the hospital. It's a bad, bad deal. And there are a lot of doctors out there that warn against those types of things just for that reason alone, because you never have any idea how big the gallstones that you may have are in your system. If the, uh, there are a t- bunch of tiny little BB size things, fine. And most but likely if it's the they size will of be, a quarter, but you don't know. That's exactly I mean, right. Yeah. Most likely, you know, gallbladder cleanses. So, I mean, I do see a lot of you know, out there about gallbladder cleanses. I know people who have done them yeah. and do and, them and there are every doctors once in a while. And yeah, that are, I mean. That push them a lot. Exactly. Really and have been them. very successful with sure. them. But yeah, they, we tend to do things at our clinic where we, you know. A little slower, a little softer on that. Right. Because what if? And right. we certainly don't want to be recommending something that could have a let's, life-changing let's, effect. Let's be honest. A lot of times when people do this, they do it at night when they're at home because you're not going to feel very good for several hours after this. Well, you also aren't eating for like a whole day, right? right? So you, they're doing it on the weekend and, you know, it's just I just don't recommend them. Um and I know some people out there are going to are going to, you know, write us and say, "Well, they're, they're the best things ever. That's what saved my gallbladder." You know what? Maybe it did. Right, exactly. And I think that that's true in a lot of cases. But if but if we can save but, that one or right. two people from having to go get their gallbladder yeah, removed that's because That's just how we do things. Yeah, that's just it, there's no point in that. It just really makes no it really makes no sense that we would 
put your put you potentially in harm's way. I just don't like it. It's my my opinion. It's my professional opinion. I don't like them. Um, I don't mind doing other things. There are a lot of other things that can be done to help break down gallstones. And I mean, if you do things right to begin with, and you eat a healthy diet and get plenty of water and and exercise and do all the things that you're supposed to do anyway, you're not going to have that issue. Right. Right. You're not likely going to have gallstones. So, all right, we got to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about gallbladder. We're going to get into why we have a gallbladder and then signs and symptoms of having gallbladder problems. You're listening to Wellness 101. And welcome back, everyone. This is Wellness 101. I'm Dr. TJ, and Aaron is sitting here, and we've been talking about gallbladder. I kind of got on a little rant in the uh, opening segment. A bit. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> a bit. Yeah. If you could have seen her face, ladies and gentlemen. Um so why do we have a gallbladder? We we spend a lot of time me ranting about, you know, gallbladder flushes and things like that. I'm not a if you didn't listen to the first segment, the 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 theme is I'm not a fan of them. Um I know some people really like them and and have a lot of success with them. I am not a fan. Um but going on about the gallbladder, why do why do we have the gallbladder? Like I said, the gallbladder is just this little sac-like organ that hangs out on the backside of the liver. And its job is to receive bile that the liver manufactures and store it. And it just holds it there because your body, your liver is making bile basically 24-7. It's just, it's making it slowly but surely. And if you didn't have a gallbladder, it would be constantly trickling into your system slowly over time. But when you have a gallbladder, it just... It slow trickles in and and slowly but surely fills that gallbladder up. And then, so the, the gallbladder has this communication that, that it operates, that, that, that it does. It's basically sending information back and forth um, to other organs to help them say, okay, we need these enzymes to be manufactured to help us break down some food. And then we also are want some chemical reactions to take place to help us break down some to into some other foods and then we also it also is there to help communicate that we have um that we it's time to eliminate some waste so those are those are big big pieces um that that the gallbladder does and like i said it's behind the liver so basically it's it's two the liver and the gallbladder are basically two organs that kind of function as one there that's a very very close um, relationship that they have. And so, like I said, the, the job of the gallbladder is just to store and recycle bile. So your body secretes bile. It goes out into the digestive system. It does its job. It gets back into the system and it gets recirculated and it so comes back. if the gallbladder is removed, it'll go straight, the bile will go straight from the liver to the small intestine? Yeah, they conti- they hook the duct. They they tend to di- tie the duct back in. So you have this duct work from the, from the liver that goes right into um, that goes right into the small intestine. It, it goes. It gets dropped into this the the hole. The opening is called the sphincter of Odie, like Garfield's friend Odie. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it. He had daily a body trivia part That's, named after him. That's yeah, he did. He yeah. did. Or he was named after a body part. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> I'm not, I'm sure the body part name came first. Just saying. Uh, so anyway, that's what this stuff does. Now bile itself is 
extremely important. It's how our body breaks down fats into fatty acids that are that we can actually use and digest and absorb. So basically, once the liver makes the bile, it travels into the gallbladder and it gets there through this this thing called the cystic duct. And then the gallbladder squeezes uh, when we when we eat a meal um, and have a fatty meal the the fats enter into the small intestine and the information is sent to the gallbladder to contract and so we squeeze bile down in onto then this fatty food product that's coming through and we you know it's it secretes an appropriate amount whatever you need for for that particular meal and then that's what helps us break down that fat from from that meal. That's general in a nutshell, that's what it's that's what it's doing. And then it goes through the intestines where it continues to do its job, right? So when the gallbladder becomes like super inflamed, right? I said that earlier that you know, you can the gallbladder can get mad, it can become inflamed when it does and it it, it can become a very very um uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh it, it becomes a surgically uh, a surgical intervention. Sometimes the the gallbladder can get so inflamed that it becomes a surgical intervention, um, and so that's I mean that's something that you really don't want to uh, you don't want to ignore. Now the gallbladder. If you're wondering like where if if my gallbladder were hurting, where would I be hurting? Common places for gallbladder t- pain to be are underneath the rib cage on the right side on the front of your body. So if you you know where your where the center of your uh, sternum is at the end of your sternum is this thing called the xiphoid process. From there down, slowly sloping down to the right is where your rib cage is. If you have pain up underneath there, that's indicative of where the gallbladder is. Also, gallbladder pain can refer to the right shoulder. So you can have this chronic right shoulder thing behind the shoulder blade. Any Really anywhere in and around the right shoulder can be indicative of gallbladder referral pain. It's the way that we're made um, embryo- embryologically. It's how we develop and where the tissue comes from as we, as we develop is why it ends up creating this right shoulder referral pain. Just very much like the, the heart refers pain to the left shoulder and down the left arm, the gallbladder refers to the right shoulder. And so if you have chronic pain there, maybe you know, ask someone to check out your gallbladder. Find a functional medicine practitioner that can that can look at that gallbladder uh, function and say, hey, yeah, you know what, you actually do have an issue. Or maybe you just want to start, you know, decreasing the amount of fats that you consume and, and sugars that you consume. You want to eat more lean meats and, and fresh vegetables and maybe exercise a little. Just, just some options from your Uncle TJ. Um, so, if, like I said, if it becomes inflamed and surgery is necessary, they... Conventional medicine says you don't have to have the gallbladder to survive. Correct, you don't. But you have to have it to live optimally. Um, And if you don't, you have to replace the things that the gallbladder produces, things like bile. You have to replace those that in your diet through, you know, some sort of digestive enzyme that has some bile in it. So what are some other signs um, or, or, you know, problems with gallbladder symptoms, things that you may see? So... We said you could have pain in the abdomen. That pain can also be in that same area straight through on the back side in your back. Um, a lot of times gallbladder pain is, is severe and shooting pain, um, especially if you push on that upper right side of your, of your abdomen just underneath your rib cage. A lot of times if someone has a really inflamed gallbladder and you touch that, they, 
they come off the table. Um, doctors know really quickly if we're dealing with gallbladder pain there. Um, again, I said that it can it can refer up to the right shoulder. Um, another one is if you are unable to like rotate and twist your body because you have this like stabbing pain um, up, up underneath that right rib cage. Um, another thing that happens, you can get nauseous and and lose your appetite and sometimes vomit. Um, that's that's all also you know issues with, with that could be gallbladder. Um, sometimes people even have the pain gets so severe, so severe that they have trouble breathing. Um, and then if you're dealing with like you know an inflammatory um, gallbladder, if it's super inflamed, if you've got an inflammatory process going on, you could have a fever, uh, muscle stiffness, weakness, be super fatigued, you could be dizzy, you could get the chills. I mean, there's just a lot of things that can happen if you've got this uh, a gallbladder you know problem going on. There's a lot of signs and or symptoms that can be indicative of of having a gallbladder problem. So. If you have gallstones, it's a little different. Um, so, like I said, gallstones um, are these little stones that that form in the gallbladder. They're not really hard, rock hard stones like kidney stones are, are tend to be really hard and really sharp. Gallstones are soft because they're made out of cholesterol, um, and then there's a little calcium in them, and sometimes there's some other minerals. But they're they're typically soft, so they're not like super solid. It's kind of like um, it's, uh, it's kind of like a tootsie roll type of substance. It's it's firm but squishy, right? So they gallstones can be you know if you have an acute attack, like just all of a sudden gallbladder problems, or you know you could have gallstones if you have this like chronic gallbladder inflammation stuff. There's no there's no you know well gallstones only happen in this this issue or that issue, um, it can happen. It can happen either way. So you know, if it's acute, typically the inflammation is really sudden. It doesn't. The pain doesn't last very long. It's just like boom, it hits you. And if it's chronic, it's just long. It's been developing for a long period of time. It's been persistent. Um, you know, it's it's just issues that are that are going on have been happening for for long periods of time and you may it may take you a little bit of time actually to associate this gallbladder issue um, or this dull achy pain with actually a gallbladder problem a lot of times doctors figure this out because they say hey you know what you uh, this this is going on with your lab worker you know I don't really understand why you're having this ache and pain maybe we get an ultrasound on your gallbladder and see you know if you have any gallstones and they just it's just kind of an incidental finding because they can't really find an answer to any of the rest of the problems right well and because it's pain in your abdomen it's you know there are so many other things that could be causing it. Right, exactly. And so a lot of times that... And it, more pressing things. Right. And so it'll sometimes takes a little while for doctors to actually look into the gallbladder because they're, you know, I mean, it's just the location of the pain. Plus, a lot of times it's traveling. You know, it's also in the right shoulder or it's, you know, even going or going to the back. So right. it's not in, you know one specific place. It's not like they point to their gallbladder and say, you know, this is it. Right. And a lot of times people don't associate this this referred pain. If their shoulder hurts, they don't associate it with, I ate a fatty meal and a couple hours later, my right shoulder was hurting. 
They don't think about it like that. They're like, okay, what did I do in the last two minutes that my shoulder is sore? And then they just get used to that shoulder hurting or their right. back hurting. And so it's just monotonous over and over and over again. Or they again. start getting massages or yeah. going to chiropractor and saying, you know, it's my right shoulder, it's my right shoulder, but not necessarily, you know, I mean, connecting it. Right. And then when that severe stabbing acute gallbladder problem happens, oftentimes what that is, that's a gallstone that got lodged in the duct. And so it's severe pain. That's surgical intervention. You got to go in and get that stuff taken out. And at that point, there, you're, you're beyond the point of helping your gallbladder function. You've, you've, you've lost it and you lost the battle and you're going to have to do some things for the rest of your life to help you digest fats at that point. All right. We got to take uh, another break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about gallbladder symptoms that happen in infants and babies. And we're going to talk about some causes and risk factors for gallbladder symptoms. You're listening to Wellness 101. And welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm Dr. TJ and Aaron is here with me. And today we've been uh, talking about gallbladder issues. And, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, we see this sort of stuff at, at our clinic, the Institute of Natural Health, and it's it's always baffling that people come in that have gallbladder issues and they've really not had any kind of real good advice from their, you know, conventional medical doctor. Um, they either, you know, get told, well, you know, we'll just take your gallbladder out or they just leave them alone and tell them there's nothing that they can do until they have to do surgery to remove their gallbladder. There's, it's just kind of mind-boggling that there's that they they really don't have anything to help them with, and so, you know, unfortunately, gallbladder surgeries happen way more frequently than uh, I would like for them to in this country. But you know, we also have a lot of people that eat really really poor diets. Right. Um. So. So this is just another reason why diet is so important. Yeah, I I heard something the other day. They it was they was talking about the standard American diet, which is referred to as the sad diet. Um, it's it should really no longer be the the sad diet. It should be the had diet, the horrible American diet, um, which is absolutely true. I mean, it's just atrocious. The the average what the average American eats on a on a daily basis. And that's true. I know I said this on the show before, but that's true even among people who are trying to eat healthy. Oh, and yeah. I think that's what's so sad. It's not the people who are eating, you know, fast food and processed foods all the time. Um, it's the people who or, you know, eating foods that they know are bad. But I mean, there are people who are eating a lot of processed foods and they're diet processed foods. So right. they're just like, I'm eating, you know, Oh yeah, this I'm is gluten healthy. free. It has to be healthy for me. Right. Right. Or it's low fat or it's right. low, you know, sugar. And right. if it's processed, it's not good for you. Right. If it has if it has very many ingredients on the on the container that you're buying it from, it's a problem. You know, a, a squash has if you buy squash out of a produce section, it has one ingredient on the label. Squash. <laughs> well, there isn't a, a there isn't a label. label. You're right. They don't need to. Uh, that, right. It's an ingredient. The label is the uh, is the little sticker above it that says squash. Right. A dollar ninety nine a pound. And I'm not saying that you know there are some healthy processed options for emergencies. Like, right. But it can't be the standard of what you eat. Right. Yeah. You gotta. We gotta. You gotta get back to the 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 you know fresh. Healthy meats, fresh vegetables. These are the things that we've got to. And in these, we've got to get to this day and age. There are so many companies out there that you know you can order food from. Oh, I know. You, know, you can order like fresh, healthy meals. Yep. 
um, with just a few ingredients to your door that there's really no excuse, um, you know, to just be eating bad foods right. because, um, you know, we've used and, those. And to say, well, I don't cook. That's crap because there are companies out there that do this for you. Right. Exactly. And it's yeah. not expensive. By the time you factor in the, your trip to the grocery store, your time in prepping a meal, the time in figuring out what it is that you're going to, to consume for the week, it's it's literally just as cheap to call them or go online and order from them and say, you know have the stuff yeah. shipped directly to your door. there are a lot of companies that do this. And yet- you just got to sift through and find the ones that are using organic, you know, fresh stuff. Right. That's, I mean, that's, the, that's where it's at. So- I digress. We'll go back to the gallbladder. Um, so symptoms in infants and babies. All right. So there, there's a study that was uh, is kind of a report, really, that was that was published in the Journal of Clinical Gastroenterology that states that that in infants, colicky symptoms can sometimes be an important indication of gallbladder problems or related symptoms affecting the liver. Colicky symptoms, rather, include fussiness, crying, bowel changes, and trouble sleeping. And these colicky episodes that they're talking about, I mean, if any of you had a colicky baby, you know exactly what we're talking about. I mean, it's disastrous. I mean, in this this report they're talking about, it can last a few minutes to hours. It can last days, weeks. I mean, just a constant crying, upset, fussy baby. Um, And so that leads to constant fussy, upset parents. (laughs) It really, truly does. Um, But, you know, a lot of times the one thing that colicky babies have in common is indigestion. They're not able to digest and break down the foods. Now, you know, I have my own views and my own opinions on that, and I'm going to share that now because it's my radio show and I can. So if if your baby is colicky, Things that, and if you're breastfeeding, okay, if you're formula feeding, whole different thing, we can talk about that in a second. But if you're breastfeeding and your child is colicky, it's very possible that you're eating something that your body is sensitive to, and thus you're passing that on to your child because you're creating an inflamed milk that you're then giving the child. It happens a ton. I can't tell you the number of women that we've talk to in our office and they're like, oh, and there's one other thing, you know, I'm breastfeeding and my baby is just upset all the time. And we look at them and we're like, okay, let's figure out what your food sensitivities are and stop eating those foods. They come back. They're like, my gosh, it was a, it was a godsend. I found out that I, I've been eating broccoli every single day and I'm not supposed to have broccoli. And my kid just, I mean, they're perfectly fine. Right. The colic is gone. And the bad thing is, is that we've had women, and I think I've said this before, um, we've had women that were told that their baby just couldn't handle their milk. Right. And then they are told to just, well, you're going to have to switch to formula. And that is really unfortunate. Yes. That's even more scary. It is not, you know, I mean, it it may be your milk, but it's your milk because of something that you're eating. Simply quit eating that. Right. You know, get a food sensitivity test, find out what you shouldn't be eating, and it will go away. You don't need to stop breastfeeding. Right. You shouldn't stop breastfeeding. And if you're formula feeding, which some women have to, and that's okay, and some women choose to, it's okay, too. Right. If you're formula feeding and your child is constantly colicky or they're spitting up a lot, this is another thing. You know, spitting up is an issue, too. If there if this is what's going on, there are food sensitivity tests that can be done on infants to figure out. You may learn that your child can't have dairy. They can't have soy. They can't have goat. You figure out that they have to have this very special specific formula 
and you switch them to that and all of their issues go away. Yeah. It's it's miraculous how it happens, but it's common sense, which again is not very common in this in right. today's healthcare. Yeah, and we do recommend actually getting the test done because we've also had women who have switched to a very expensive formula that was, you know, supposed to be for sensitive stomachs and they still had an issue and they're right. like I don't know what to do. Well, I mean, it not all babies are going to be sensitive to the same thing. Feed them steak. Right. Give the baby steak. <laughs> That's what I say. Don't do that. No, don't. If they do not have don't. teeth, they, do not do that. Don't do that. Don't, do that. <laughs> don't listen to TJ. No. <laughs> not there. Not on this. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the and the thing is, it, it, there are just there are answers out there. You just have to look in the right spot, right? You, if, you're, if you've lost your keys, do you just look in the one location that you think they're put in and... And if they're not there, will you throw your hands up and say, well, that's all. That's the only thing I know to do. Or you continue to look and tear your house apart to find the right answer. That's what we need to be doing with our health care. We need to be tearing apart everything to find the answer that's fixing our issue. Right. But the issue, I mean, the problem with that, I, I completely agree, of course. But the problem is that, you know, if, talking about, you know, babies who have these issues, you know, parents go to the pediatrician and the pediatrician tells them, you know, gives them an answer like it's they're it having gi- it a gives problem. Gives them an with- answer based on the their lack of fundamental nutrition understanding. Right, but I mean that's it's not like they're saying, "Oh, I don't know what the problem is," so that parents are thinking, "Oh, I need to continue to look." They're given an answer. I mean, that's where the frustration. Well, is. they're given a wrong answer. Right, and I agree and the parents are going to learn very quickly. Wait, they gave an answer. That answer is wrong. I need to go look for a better answer. I don't know that they know that the answer is wrong. Well, they they if they continue to have a colicky baby, they would think they would know that I, w- I would surely think that they would have the common sense to know that the answer was wrong. Maybe not. I mean, Maybe. well, they're, you know, they're, well, if they hear this, they'll know. Yeah, that's so why we're doing it. Tell tell your friends. Go to our podcast, s- click subscribe and uh and help get, you know, the information out there and refer your friends. So Another thing is risk factors for developing gallbladder or gallstone issues. The biggest risk factors are just like everything else, stress, poor diet, obesity. Those are the three biggest risk factors for for pretty much every human condition. Being overly stressed, which a lot of us are, having a very poor diet, which the standard diet in America is poor, and being obese, which is, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the stat- statistic is for just obesity, but two-thirds of the population is either overweight or obese. So that's the norm, unfortunately, in this country, all tied to gallbladder problems. And so if you have a gallbladder problem, you have a digestive issue, you cannot break down your foods, you are not going to absorb the nutrients that you need, you are going to further perpetuate your inability to handle stress. If you can't handle stress, you're going to further perpetuate the gallbladder problems, you're going to increase your your overall body weight. The cycle is just vicious and it keeps going over and over and over again. Somewhere, somehow, some way, you've got to break that cycle. And you break that cycle by finding someone who knows what they're doing in this type of work, someone who performs functional medicine, and ask them for help. They will help you. I promise. This is what we all do that practice functional medicine. Some of us are, you know, just more patient and more understanding than others. It's all it really boils down to. Find help. It's out there, right? So we've got to take another break. Um, when we come back, we're, uh, we'll recap a little bit about what we talked about, but we're also going to talk about, um, 
you know, some treatments, you know, both standard and natural. We've kind of hammered on the standard um, treatments, which are pitiful. Um, but we're going to hit on a few natural things um, that you can do to help if you have a gallbladder issue. You're listening to Wellness 101. And welcome back to the show. This is Wellness 101. I'm your host, Dr. TJ. And with me, as always, is Aaron. And uh, today we have been talking about gallbladder issues. I can't believe we're in our last segment. I know. This has gone by fast. It does. It goes by so quickly. I get on rants, and the next thing you know, the segment's over. <laughs> it's kind of what happened at the end of last segment. I, I went on a rant. Um, so we talked about the symptoms in infants and babies if they're having gallbladder issues. A lot of times it's colic. But so, and we talked about big risk factors being, you know, stress, poor diet, and obesity. Um, but some other risk factors are, you know, things like fasting and crash dieting. Now, fasting is like, you know, you go a couple days without eating because you overate the the, you know, two days before. Well, all that's doing is, you know, that's just yo-yo dieting, and so you're just creating an issue. Um, and trying to rapidly lose weight that's a that's a big issue and can be a risk factor for gallbladder issues. Um, pregnancy is a risk factor for gallbladder issues. Using birth control is also a risk factor for um, gallbladder issues. Being diabetic, um, having a high triglycerides is another one. Um, low HDL or the good form of, of cholesterol in our system. Just not being active enough, so just being sedentary. Um, family history is another piece that is a risk factor. And lastly is a history of autoimmune disease or things like viruses or infections that can alter immune function. And a lot of this has to go, goes back into, we talked very early in the show about communication uh, that the gallbladder plays in different parts of the body. And one of those is communicating with the immune system. So we talked about conventional treatments. Um, typically, conventional treatments is just surgical removal. They take the thing out and tell you, you know, patch on the keister and out the door you go and tell you, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory until, you know, you gain 40 pounds over the next two years and you wonder what in the world's going on because you can no longer digest fats. Your cholesterol goes haywire. You're, you know, you get heart disease and there's a, it's a huge problem. Um, but then there are natural things that you can do. Natural things, I mean, this is stuff, it's common sense stuff. Again, that's what this show is designed for, to provide common sense answers. The big one is eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Eat this, an anti-inflammatory diet is going to be a diet that's healthy for the gallbladder. Getting, you know, not eating, you know, bad fats, making sure that the fats that you do consume are, you know, good, healthy fats, making sure you're eating lean meats, Getting more probiotics into your system, getting getting more fiber into your system, lots of green, green leafy vegetables, um, some fermented foods can be beneficial. Things like sauerkraut, um, especially, you know, the oils. Like I said, the healthy oils, olive oil, coconut oil, things like that, are are good, clean, lean meats. No hormones, no antibiotics. You know, you want pasture raised things, um, wild caught fish, bison chicken, beef, things like that. Even getting yourself a, a bone broth protein is a is a good thing to do as well. Um, or just and, drinking bone broth. Yeah, just drink bone broth. You can make your own. Um, and then avoiding fast food, deli meats, lunch meats type things, convenience foods, things like ch chips and cookies, processed dairy, grain-fed animal, all of that stuff. Get that stuff out of your diet. And another big piece is exercise. 
that's something that we definitely do not do in this country, I know, because two-thirds of us are overweight or obese. So getting up and just moving, get rid of the sedentary lifestyle, make it a point to walk 20, 30 minutes a day every single day of the week. It's not that hard, and it's free. I promise you, you own a pair of shoes that you can walk in, right? If um, not, walk barefoot. Yeah, walk barefoot. Walk on the grass, walk barefoot. That'll be some earthing, and this is good for you, too. Um, balancing your hormones naturally or as naturally as you possibly can. Um, you know, and that comes by exercising and reducing your stress and decreasing your chemical and toxic exposure, um, getting rid of those things out of the system. Those are huge endocrine disruptors. And the more we can balance our hormones, the healthier we're going to be. Another thing that we can do is, you know, check on our medications. I mean, there are medications out there that can contribute to gallbladder issues, one of them is birth control pills and other hormone medications because they alter how your body um, communicates. It's an endocrine disruptor. So we're, that's your hormones are how your body communicates with itself. And if you're altering that, you can create gallbladder issues. And then there's a lot of natural supplements out there that you can that you can do that help gallbladder issues. Things like uh, milk thistle, turmeric, bile salts are a big one. If you've had your gallbladder removed, you're going to need bile salts every day for the rest of your life. Now, finding a good quality product, finding the dose that you need, that's a little trickier. Um, It's harder to do. It's not something that you just jump into and say, well, I'm going to take five because it's a fatty meal. Well, you might have only needed one. Um, and you can make, you know, you make yourself not feel very good if you do stuff right. like that. Right, and we can help you figure that out. Any functional medicine practitioner can help you figure out exactly yeah. what you need. There's kind of a process that goes that you want to go through while trying to figure that stuff out. But, but I mean, there is, uh, you know, in talking about the supplements, I just want to throw in, because I, I think a lot of people, if they're listening to this, and I know a lot of people listen and they want to take notes and they want to know what they can do, um, I just want to caution anyone listening to not only focus on because I know how this works and we're going to say things like change your diet and exercise and what people are going to write down are, ooh, what are the supplements that they said right. that that'll, that we can take that are right. going to help the gallbladder? I'll, I'll, and, and these are the same people that are like, well, I don't want to do conventional medicine because all they do is pill for a problem. But if that's what you're doing with this and you're saying, oh, well, what's the supplement I can take for this problem? That's pill for a problem. That's the same thing. And you can't just go out to the drugstore and get an over-the-counter you know, product anyway, and to, and expected to do any good. Right. It the just doesn't work that way. Quality. It would be great if it did, but it doesn't. Right. The quality isn't there, and especially with herbs. Um, you know, the, the the quality in herbs really varies from from company to company, and so you got to really know and be very careful and cautious with what it is that you're taking and putting into your system. Um. So yeah, that's. I mean. That's the information. It's it's pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, so if you've had your gallbladder removed, I think the big you know takeaway with that with those people um, is you're going to need some sort of digestive enzyme, right? Yeah. And I I highly encourage if you've got a gallbladder issue, I highly encourage the biggest thing you can do is find yourself a functional medicine practitioner, get yourself some food sensitivity testing and some blood work to figure out what's going on to start. Right. Just to start. And I know I I say this on pretty much every show. But if, you know, I mean, come to us or if you are not in the area or you want someone else, we will always recommend you. Yeah. Um, someone we'll point else you in the right go. direction. Because the I, point of the show is not to bring people into us. It's to get the health information out there. That's right. I just talked to a woman from California just a couple days ago. So, all right. That's about all the time that we have for today's show. Um, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram. 
Um, go to iTunes, find our podcast, Wellness 101, there. Um, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends. We'd love to hear from you. Email us. Call us, 314-293-8123. For Aaron, I'm Do- – oh, wait, our website, theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. Don't forget that. For Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101. Thanks for listening.